Hi, and welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cush, and I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor in Annapolis, Maryland. These days, doing therapy online all the time. Uh, it feels as if the safety of clients, the safety of myself and community means that I need to do sessions online and I'm okay with that. I do miss the face-to-face. -face. I do miss my office, which I get to record from, so I still get to see it and be in it. But uh, I do miss the regularity of seeing clients and walking into my office and spending time with my other fellow office mates who share space with me. I hope that you all are doing okay. I hope that you are making it through this difficult time. I am hanging in there myself and doing the best that I can. So today, my guest is Rebecca Shackney, and we are going to be talking about dialectical behavioral therapy and uh, borderline personality disorder. And Rebecca shares with us some of her insights into uh, the struggles of people who suffer from borderline personality disorder. So Rebecca Shackney is a licensed clinical social worker who graduated from the University of Michigan and went on to earn a postgraduate certification in dialectical behavioral therapy psychodynamic psychotherapy, and imaginary exposure for post-traumatic stress disorder. She worked for several years at New York Presbyterian Hospital on an acute care unit where she helped establish an inpatient dialectical behavioral therapy program. Now she is a psychotherapist in private practice with an office in Ossining, New York. She is also the host of the podcast called A Therapist Takes Her Own Advice, which I was fortunate enough to be a guest on. So I'm excited to have Rebecca here. Uh, I think sometimes borderline personality disorder is often a very misunderstood diagnosis, and Rebecca is going to shed some light on that and give us some tips on how therapy works and why it's effective. Let's get started. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Biz. Oh, I'm really excited. It was really fun to be on your podcast. So it's always great to have someone who I've already had a conversation with on the podcast because I feel like it makes it so much easier. Yeah, I'm looking <laughs> forward to this. This is my first time doing someone else's show. So yeah, it's exciting. a different experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being the guest versus the host. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell the, um, the audience a little bit about you and what's inspired you to do the work that you do? So I am Rebecca Shackney. I am a, a licensed clinical social worker in private practice in Austin, New York. I'm a wife, a mom, and I'm originally from Oklahoma, where I have a degree in theater. Hmm. And so I, you know, I moved to New York and I worked in theater for a while and realized that if I, and theater is, is a really stressful and really volatile career. And so I realized if I was going to work with people who are crazy, I'm going to need to know what I'm doing. And of course, that's <laughs> my joke. Yeah. 
It was very um, volatile. The people were very volatile, and um, it was really it was um, an interesting way of, of of experiencing the world. The people were very up and down emotionally, and I really got the feeling that if I that if I was going to work with crazy people, I wanted to know what I was doing. So I went to social <laughs> work school. Yeah. So anyway, I I graduated from the University of Michigan, and I started applying for jobs. I wanted to work at a teaching hospital. Mm. And um, I got a job at New York Presbyterian Hospital on a personality disorder unit. It's the the unit where Cornell medical residents or psychiatric residents are taught about personality disorders. So I really fell into this work by happenstance. Hmm. But boy, talk about getting out of school and jumping in with both feet, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that was really, um, it was quite a shock to the system. But I, I really loved working um, in acute care psychiatric, in an acute care psychiatric facility. And over the years, I worked there for several several years, and I was able to help them set up a DBT program on the unit, like a short-term brief program because the stays were short. So, um, but I also got them to train me. So they paid for uh, training, which was great. Wow. Wow. So for listeners who might not know what DBT or dialectical behavior therapy is, could you just give us a, uh, an explanation or a Definition. Sure. So DBT um, is a model of therapy created by Marsha Linehan, and it was specifically created to um, help people with borderline personality disorder and chronic suicidal and self-injurious behaviors, because up to that point, there was no um, effective treatment for those folks. And, you know, it's a very, very painful, difficult um, mental illness. And mm. so this this model of therapy has four different modules uh, that teach skills to um, help people manage their lives more effectively. And it really, they can, can really be effectively treated and go on to live their lives, create a life worth living. So that's really the point behind DBT. So there, it's broken up into four modules. Um, Distress tolerance helps you learn to tolerate distress without doing something dramatic, without making a suicidal gesture or mm. um, something like that. Distress tolerance skills also, also help you accept reality as it is, hmm. So, which we all can use, I feel like. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 So, and I guess too, like, like the self-injury, like not, not cutting or hurting yourself, not necessarily absolutely. suicidal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's real, a lot of the um, maladaptive behaviors that people with borderline personality disorder use are just ways of dealing with crisis or dealing with really intense emotional pain. And, you know, it's really their deep desire to feel better but it's just directed in a way that's not effective, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, for instance, self-injury, self-inju- when you cut yourself, there's actually a, a lot of feel-good chemicals that go into the body. And people who have borderline personality disorder often feel a sense of calm. Mm. Um, so whereas, of course, that's not a a way to manage your your emotional distress for your whole life. It's understandable mm-hmm. that people who are in such pain want to feel better. Right. And 
Yeah. So the distress tolerance skills really help them give them other tools to use, you know, validate that, yes, I get you want to feel better. And here's something else may not be as effective immediately. But if you try it, and you really get used to it, um, it will not be as problematic in your life, you know, over the long haul. Yeah. So yeah. So there's also emotion regulation skills. So people with borderline personality disorder have a lot of problems um, with emotional volatility and just regulating their emotions. So when something happens, they react a lot faster than most people. And it takes them a lot longer to get back to an even keel mm. emotionally. So the, the emotion regulation skills teach them about their emotions. Why do we have emotions? Why do we need emotions? And then it gives them skills to modulate their emotions more effectively so they don't feel like they're at the mercy of their emotions so much. Mm -hmm. Like not quite as reactive, but just, yeah. I, yeah, I totally yeah. Get that. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people um, who have borderline personality disorder are emotionally sensitive. And that's part of who they are. It's like, you know, like your eye color or your hair color. It, being emotionally sensitive is who is part of, of your makeup. Mm -hmm. But you can learn to adapt to it and mm -hmm. to make it work for you. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine that that would be incredibly helpful because, Absolutely. yeah, I know what it's like to feel in emotional distress and do have the tools to help calm myself down. But even there are times when it's really hard. So if Absolutely. that were a constant thing that was happening to me, that would be really stressful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So there are also interpersonal effectiveness skills that teach people how to interact more effectively without burning bridges or feeling taken advantage of. Um, and really, it teaches them how to interact with people and, and get their needs met. Mm. Yeah. Well, another great skill, right? Absolutely. And so and all of this is done under the umbrella of mindfulness. So um, Marshall Linehan actually based this in, you know, kind of Zen Buddhist philosophies, um, based a lot of the skills in Zen Buddhist philosophies, and she learned mindfulness skills. And so, you know, I teach people how to practice mindfulness either with meditation, mindful movement with contemplative prayer, or just, you know, being mindful in their everyday life with, you know, having mindful conversations or just really being where they are when they're there, getting out of their head and all the judgments and interpretations that we have constantly mm. and just getting back into your life. Yeah. Yeah. So such an important skills. And I think sometimes they feel like so hard for people who are very stressed out or who have more significant mental health issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really hard to practice them initially. It's one of the, you know, that's why they often call, you know, it's mental, it's mindfulness practice. You mm -hmm. have to really practice a long time and it really changes the wiring in your brain after a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but you have to really buy into it, especially in the beginning, because I'm basically saying to people, you know, I know you have all of these behaviors that work for you, but are not going to sustain you for your whole life. So I'm going to we're going to work on giving up those behaviors and using some of these skills. Yeah. Um, 
that will sustain you. And maybe in the beginning, they're, like I said, are not going to be as effective. You know, if, if cutting works for you, and I, you know, I know that's kind of hard to think about for some people who don't understand it, but for some people, cutting really does work for them. But there's also so much shame and, and danger and all of that associated with it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I feel as if, you know, personality disorders in general, but I think uh, borderline personality disorder in particular, mm -hmm. really, it, it, it can be so, they can be so stigmatizing and that um, I've certainly had clients who, you know, will come to therapy and say, I went to this other place and I got diagnosed with this and this just feels so heavy. And, you know, I, there's some shame to the mm -hmm. diagnosis for them just because of our culture, I think. But can you um, kind of define what personality disorders are just to, I don't know, better normalize that this isn't just some terrible thing that you have to walk around and hide? Sure, sure. So, Personality disorders in general are a group of mental disorders uh, that are characterized by like rigid, unhealthy patterns of thinking, functioning, behaving, etc. Um, but the thing is, they're often trauma-based. And so people who have these disorders often have developed these patterns of behavior to protect them in, in whatever trauma situation that they were in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's also, it could have been, you know, the trauma could be something extreme like sexual abuse, physical abuse, that neglect, that sort of thing. It can also be the coupling of an invalidating environment with a really emotionally sensitive person. So if you grow up in a very harsh family that, you know, this is how you do things and you are emotionally sensitive to criticism, you could develop some of these um, develop a, a personality disorder. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. And so some like borderline personality disorder is one of the diagnoses, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. What, what else is, what else falls under personality disorders? So there are multiple different types of personality disorders. There mm -hmm. are along with borderline personality disorders, there is narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And I will say that those seem in my experience to be um, often more uh, given more often to men mm. Men are diagnosed with narcissistic or antisocial. Antisocial, if you are really a person with an antisocial dis uh, personality disorder, that's very, very rare, first of all. And it's very hard to treat. It's extraordinarily hard to treat because you're literally someone who does not have the capacity for empathy. Hmm. Um, so that's it's a very sad way to be. So you you literally walk around seeing every person as an object. You hmm. know, they are people. Other human beings are objects for your pleasure, objects for your use. Hmm. Um, so that's a really very difficult and usually somebody who's extraordinarily abused, unfortunately, is someone right. who, and, and also extremely, extremely rare. So narcissistic personality disorder is a little more common. It's, a, it's, it's where you have a, an elevated sense of yourself, your self-worth, your grandiose. You might be very uh, 
exa- you exaggerate your abilities and your um, talents, and you really have a very difficult time seeing any flaws in yourself or hearing criticism. And often, more often than not, narcissistic personality disorder is, is a diagnosis given to men, whereas borderline personality disorder is given to, to women more often than not. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, and the thought is that um, when a woman is expressing anger and and uh, emotional volatility, they're they're usually turning it in inside into themselves. They're doing something to harm themselves, whereas men are acting out, hmm. uh, projecting their frustrations and victimhood onto other people and blaming. And it's just it's a different way of mm-hmm. of seeing things. So. Wow. And so when people come to you with, you know, if they're struggling with personality, you know, uh, borderline personality disorder, for instance, one, how are you, how do you identify that? Yep. This is what they're struggling with. And then what does, what does therapy or how do you help them learn how to better manage themselves, kind of their emotional regulation, their tolerance, uh, all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the most important thing when someone comes to me is to first develop a relationship because there is no treatment without a trusting relationship. And a lot of people, especially with, um, people with borderline personality disorder, have an intense fear of abandonment and very they've had a lot of very volatile, often um, dysfunctional relationships. So you work first to develop trust and develop the relationship. And once that's there, and once they're able to see that, you know, as you're going to teach them these skills and help them let go of some of these um, maladaptive behaviors that have worked for them, they will be able to trust you that you're going to replace those behaviors with something that um, will work, will work differently for them and work better for them over the long haul. Yeah, yeah. I know, um, Personally, you know, in my life, I've had some people close to me that I don't know their diagnoses, but based on just some of the stuff they've, how they've behaved in relationship, it's, it's very hard to, it can be very hard to be in relationship with someone who has borderline personality disorder, because sometimes it it can feel like at one moment, everything is great. And then the next moment, they're very angry with you or hurt or, yeah, pissed off that you've done something and you don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you find that you said that oftentimes relationships are very difficult for them? Do you find that in your, you know, in your practice that there's like struggle within family units and things like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, Unfortunately, these these type these patterns of behavior and these these are often learned behaviors, and they come from their family of origin. And not to blame the family of origin, but you know it's because their parents didn't understand how to regulate their emotions and man- manage their behaviors effectively, mm-hmm. and the, and parents before that, and parent you know and, and you know generations right. often, and so. And, and you know the the family of origin is often the has created an in, in invalidating environment. So I often work with families to teach them how to act, interact more effectively with their loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and really, you know, the thing that I always say is that you know, we have these explosions and there's still going to be these explosions, especially in the beginnings of treatment. But there, but you can always go back and repair. You can mm. always return and say, you know what, when this happened, I overreacted or I heard this and I now can see that that wasn't the case. And let's, you know, talk it out and fix it. And over time doing that, helps to repair the relationships and teach it and you teach each other how to interact with each other more effectively. Mm, yeah, I would imagine that would be incredibly helpful just long term because we get reactive about stuff. And if you're particularly sensitive and reading. Absolutely. And, and I, I think that one of the things I see with a lot of my clients is they do something that I call filling in the gaps. So, you know, you may have said, oh, I can't have lunch with you tomorrow. And they hear, I'm not good enough. You don't like me anymore. You don't want to have lunch with me when all it, all it is is that you have a conflict and you, mm. you mean to reschedule another time. But you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. they fill in the gaps with all of these very um, self-reproachful things about them, you know, about themselves, or maybe that you're not an, a nice enough person anymore, or you're getting ready to abandon them. So they're going to push you away. Mm. So it's, it's really, you know, just going back and, and having a gentle conversation can be very helpful. And knowing that, um, you know, maybe you ended up picking up on something uncomfortable from them. Maybe you, they're, they, often people with personality disorders are really good at projecting their uncomfortable emotions onto someone else. Mm. So you're, you're absorbing it. And um, I've noticed that a lot in my work. And then, and someone once said to me, one of the, um, one of my uh, teachers, one of the trainers in, for DBT said, you know, that, that feeling you get that of that just emotional angst that comes when you, when you're in it, with a person with a uh, personality disorder, um, that, that's coming from them. That's happening within them a lot of the time. So all of that pain and angst and just confusion and just suffering. Mm-hmm. And so if you, it really helped me to build a level of empathy, mm-hmm. um, because I just think about that is excruciating. It's really, really uncomfortable and, and untenable over the long haul, which is why some people think about suicide, because it's the only way to conceivably escape that pain, that emotional pain. Mm, boy, that's sad. Yeah, it is. It is. And the good news is we now have this amazing model of treatment that is effective. And there's a lot more research being done. Um, and a lot of other people are really wanting, you know, seeing this as a legitimate illness, not, you know, it, I mean, just the fact that it's called a personality disorder sounds like there's something wrong with your personality when really it's a, a trauma-based, as I said, yeah. disorder. Yeah. And I think that's so important to stress that, I mean, most mental health disorders have some history, you know, there's something either biology or uh, intergenerational trauma or outright trauma to mm-hmm. you, you know, that caused this disruption in your biology, neurobiology, your system. Right. Yeah. Your emotional regulation, all of it. Um, yeah. I think it helps again, as you said, to have the empathy for the person who is struggling. I mean, just as you would have empathy for somebody struggling with a physical illness. Right. I really think it's important that we remember that if, you know, if 
our brain can have difficulties just as much as our heart or our lungs or what other, you know, any other part of our body. So it's, you know, it's no wonder, but, but there's so much shame and guilt experienced by people who have mental illnesses, no matter what they are Mm -hmm. um, often that it's, you know, it's come and it's compounded by that stigmatization that happens in the society. So yeah, people are so much less willing to talk about mental health and their own mental health than like, say, if they had had, I don't know, diabetes or a heart condition or whatever, eczema, right. anything. Right. No, right? true. It's so true. It's so true. It's funny. I was just interviewing a person with a, a chronic physical illness and I started talking about mental illness alongside of it. And I was like, I don't want to invalidate you by comparing the two. And then I, and then she was like, but they're both mm-hmm. illnesses. They're both difficulties. Um, so even as a professional, I sometimes, oh, I don't want to upset anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I still tense up around that and I want to work to do better. <laughs> yeah. 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 Boy, I know. And, and I think, well, podcasts like yours and mine, I think help sort of normalize that the mental health stuff, the mental health struggles, like there are ways to heal from all of this, that that is what's so important and as hard as it is and that it does take practice. It does take work on the part of, you know, the person who is struggling, but you can heal. Right. And you know, Marsha Linehan, who is the founder of DBT, the creator of DBT, did it. She created it because she was suffering herself. Mm. She was, she had been hospitalized for two years in just excruciatingly horrible conditions. Mm. I mean, you know, and this was the state of the art of treatment back then. It was the sixties and she was chronically suicidal and she was self-injuring. And I think honestly, the actual hospitalization created more trauma for her. It exacerbated her trauma rather than helping her. Mm. But when she got out in a, in an effort to, to help herself and then to go on and help others, she created this model of therapy. So, and she is now, you know, a world renowned researcher and therapist and writer, and she is Knockwood I think doing much, much better. <laughs> so, and was yeah. able to recover. So that's the good news. For sure. That's, I did not know that. And that's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So if people were wanting to know more about, you know, dialectical behavior therapy or borderline personality disorder, or just all of what we've talked about today, do you, are there resources that you would recommend for people to look into? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can go to Marshall Linehan's organization, behavioraltech.org. There is also the Borderline Personality Disorder Resource Center at New York Presbyterian Hospital and the National Educational Alliance of Borderline Personality Disorder. Um, and all of these organizations are continuing to do uh, research. They have ways to find therapists. They, they have information. Um, you can also feel free to contact me, RebeccaShackney.com, and I'm happy to help lead you in the right direction if you have questions. Oh, that's awesome. That was going to be my next question. How do people <laughs> find you? Oh, yeah, yeah. So RebeccaShackney.com. 
And yes. how else? Where else are you? Um, I am on Facebook and Twitter and all of those places. Um, cool. Just at Rebecca Shackney. And I also have a podcast called A Therapist Takes Her Own Advice. Um, which is available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I'm just like yours. So cool. Yeah. Very fun. Well, I so appreciate your taking the time to talk to us today and give us a little insight into borderline personality disorder and dialectical behavioral therapy. Thanks so much, Biz. It was such a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Rebecca. I learned a lot about dialectical behavior therapy, which what I love about it, and you know, I knew I've known, I know a little bit about it. I have not been trained in it, but what I love about it is that it's a mindfulness-based therapy, and the research is showing that it's really effective to help people with borderline personality disorders, but also for people who struggle with emotional regulation, because there's so many great tools on managing difficult emotion, grounding yourself, emotional tolerance. It's just a really cool, cool model. So if you want to know more about either the therapy or the disorder, you can go to the show notes at womanwarriors.com. Click on the links to all the resources there. You can also find Rebecca's contact information and ways to sign up for my newsletter and get your free Worried Women's Guide to Meditation. You can also leave me a voicemail with feedback about this episode or other episodes on the podcast. Go to womanwarriors.com and at the, at the bottom of the show notes, there is a link that says, leave me a voicemail. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you all have a wonderful week. I hope you take care of yourselves. I hope you take care of your loved ones. Be kind to each other and to yourself. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior.